Hey there, Kat Stancic here with the Revenue Accelerator Podcast. And today I have Allison Tedford, who is a business consultant and author who specializes in inclusive communications. So Allison, like inclusion, communications, how did each of those come about? And then how did they get kind of like smashed together? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I did about a decade of work in the public service around creating inclusion for Indigenous people within the federal prison system. Mm. And then when I moved out into the private sector, I did a lot of work around storytelling. And the two really come together because when you think about storytelling and the role of a storyteller, you have to recognize the historical relationships that your subjects have had with who tells their stories and how they're represented in media and how their narratives are framed and what level of consent they've experienced when their stories are told. So um, it's something that's really important to consider when you're telling stories about people who are either um, different from you or who share your identity, but um, you, you know, if you're doing it on behalf of an organization that doesn't share their perspective or their cultural yeah. heritage, it's just really important to integrate those pieces on, on their behalf to, to work as an intermediary. So what does that mean, a, a level of consent when it comes to telling someone's story? Um, historically, I mean, when I think about um, like my people, I'm an Indigenous woman. Uh, most of the history books are not written by Indigenous people. They tell the story of what happened from a non-Indigenous perspective, uh, the way things are framed can be very sanitized mm -hmm. and the way um, um, events are categorized uh, and the true impacts of things that have happened aren't always captured. Um, so the reality is, is that pe other people have been telling the stories of Indigenous people for so long and not always kindly and mm -hmm not always with a full view of um, how everyone is feeling and what the experience was like for everybody. And so being able to, to be able to participate in, in changing the story of how people get to tell their stories and how they get to be in control of their own narrative and how they get to be described and shared with the world is something that I take really seriously because uh, when you have people who haven't had that experience, um, it's, I think it's important to correct that when you can and give them a different experience moving forward. Yeah, it really sounds like that really helps also with um, what can sometimes be confrontational kind of conversations, um, especially when someone is committed to their story, um, having had a certain experience and then not willing to question some of that. So what are some things that you've experienced in that vein when it comes to really getting the word out there and representing the story um, effectively, like appropriately, right? And in and, and, and the full spectrum of truth what are some things that you've, you've come across and how have you managed to do that? Because I mean, it really comes down to like conflict management sometimes. For sure. Yeah. I've always said like writing isn't just writing, right? It's, it's writing is not typing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's a lot of relating and mediating and translating. 
Yeah. Um, you know, interest-based negotiation and, you know, and sometimes like you have to be able to come back to a subject and say like, I understand why these things are super important to include. And we need to figure out how to share that with an audience who might not have the same like frame of reference and knowledge base. So like, how would we explain this to like your grandchildren or how would we explain this to a high school student um, and really find an accessible way to be able to tell the story so it's understood and so that um, the content is effective and so that consent is honored. Um, Mm. And yeah, and, and the other piece is that like, sometimes things can be factually accurate, but the aspects of a story that are emphasized and the way things are positioned can make a difference around how people feel and how they feel valued. And ultimately, like if you're sharing the story of a customer, like something is only a compliment if they feel it's compliment. And storytelling isn't just about acquiring new customers. It's also about retaining your existing customers and retaining your existing relationships to make sure that when you tell a story that they feel good about how it's represented and that it's clear about like, was this a collaboration and a working together or was this a rescue mission? And if something is positioned in that way, how, how might the subject feel about that? Mm. Really looking at like, how can everybody be a part of a story that focuses on their strengths and honors the totality of who they are? Uh, And so that's something that I feel is maybe sometimes misunderstood about the process, but it's really important. I love how it's just coming down to that neutral space, right? Of not a black and white, but of benefit, right? Of the, yes, I hear you and versus I hear you, but, (laughs) Um, and I know that that's um, a lot of what happens sometimes when people come into a conversation or a topic that is not as familiar to them, right? So there's a defensiveness that can happen, or there's this lack of engagement, even because it's an area that they're not familiar with. So we see that in the business world too, of, hey, I don't get this thing. What's this inclusion thing? So you know what? It's better if I don't do anything than if I do something and that could be considered wrong. So what's your, I mean, I know you have a philosophy around this. What's your philosophy around that? And what are some things that people can avoid? Just personally speaking, I think that's doing nothing also speaks volumes in terms of, you know, a negative state essentially. For sure. I mean, I think that if you're worried about doing something wrong, so you don't do anything, like I will like spare the suspense, like, like you're going to do something wrong. Like we're, we're all humans. And so we're, we're going to make mistakes and we can do as much homework as we can to give ourselves the best chance of success. And we can build really authentic, honoring relationships with our audiences that leave room for grace. And we can be clear about where our heart is. And we really, the social risk is often a lot smaller than the actual literal risk to populations who are uh, marginalized. Often 
you know, the result of racism can be death. And is somebody, you know, maybe thinking that you're not very smart in a moment because you said something that, you know, could have been put differently. Like those, those are very different levels of risk. Mm. And so, um, yeah. And when I think about like, when you are inclusive, you just create a lot more opportunities for people. And I think it's important to not engage in perfectionism to the point where you continue to exclude people who haven't had opportunities, right? You need to do the best that you can to create a space that is going to accommodate people. Um, But if you get so fixated on making sure it's absolutely perfect, then you may not, I mean, you may not even understand what the people what people need. Like you, you may be working from your own understanding of what people need and it might be bigger than it might be smaller than you think it is. It might be bigger. You don't know. So I think it's just really important to approach it. Like if you're entering any kind of new market, Hmm. like what research would you do in order to make sure that things are done well and that the people who are going to be working with you are going to experience your best. And yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, we can get stuck in that moral perfectionism and paralyzed and it's, uh, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help others. Uh, I mean, if you literally don't want to do inclusion and you're just doing it because you feel like you have to, maybe, maybe you shouldn't, (laughs) if 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 it's really not something that if you don't care about people who are different than you and you don't want to include people, right? Nobody wants to be somewhere where they're not really wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we've had enough of that in grade school and high school, right? So, (laughs) um, so how, what are some steps that people can take to start creating inclusion in their message? It's kind of a two-part question. The other piece is, is, you know, actually I'm going to take it to, let's start with that one. What are some steps that people can do to start if they haven't already, or that they can amplify their inclusion efforts as part of their, you know, and, and we're talking about business here, um, about, uh, in terms of their business efforts, right, which also includes, you know, we are our business, so it is personal as well. Um, I think it's really important to look at, like, what are your values? Who do you want to include? Hmm. Um, and then look at, like, if somebody comes across your website, if somebody comes across your work, experiences your services how would they be able to see those things and if those things aren't things that you can articulate or aren't built into your processes or your language then that's something to evaluate if things need to shift and really doing some research around what do people need and how might you need to do things differently and I mean sometimes we we fall into habits about the way we talk about things because of industry norms and we might be excluding people unintentionally Mm. Um, or we might think that we're we're narrowing our scope in a way that has a certain effect where it's maybe not necessarily that so it's really good to just be intentional about what you're doing and reflect on the choices that you've made and if they truly represent your inclusion values and if there's ways to move that forward differently. So inclusion values, right? So, you know, what, what would those, what are some examples of what an inclusion value could be and how can someone represent that 
in their, you know, whether it's their website, their marketing, their branding, their, their positioning, if you will? Um, I think one of the factors to look at is, I mean, if you are providing parenting, prenatal education, right? Like, are you targeting all of your content to moms? Um, Or are you focused on like birthing parents, right? Are you acknowledging that the gender identity of your client might not be what you think it is? Mm. Um, And has this just been something that's happened out of habit? Um, Is it intentional? Is your market truly moms? If it is, then that's the right language. But if you're open to a broader range of clients and you have the skills to serve them, Mm. then that might be something to look at in terms of what's your language. Or, you know, if you have a value around disability accommodation, um, what is your policy on, you know, remote event attendance or um, what, what are your policies around what health protections are in place when you gather or what accessibility features does your website and your content have? Do you have captions? Do you have transcripts? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have image descriptions? Like there's all sorts of different features. So when you look at like, what is it that is important to me? Who do I want to include? And then you look at the scope of like, okay, if somebody came from this place, what are some of the things they might struggle with, with Mm -hmm. the way things are currently structured? And is it possible to shift that in order to welcome more people? Yeah. So, you know, back from my corporate days, I remember HR, right, always being this annoying little voice. I was actually HR too, so it was my own voice, Um, you know, kind of advocating for different things. And a lot of people have this, like, you know, this is a cost center. This is just something else, you know, that's going to cost more money and all this other stuff. But it's not. I know that it's not. But how is this something that is beneficial for businesses to include other than just being a good human being, right? But let's look at the monetary aspect of things because that is a consideration. Um, what would you say to that? Like if people saying, hey, it's just, this is just more money to, that goes to a consultant. It's not going to do anything. Um, versus the flip side of this is actually really important. And here are the reasons why when it comes to your bottom line. Uh, I mean, outside of just literally doing the right thing, the other piece is that um, when you're looking at the diversity of your employees, diverse organizations who have a better collaborative team, a more diverse team are able to better collaborate because you have a variety of perspectives and you have more insights around how things will land in different groups of people. So, so that's a piece in that you, you have a more representative sample of your demographics who are working for you and who can let you know, like, Hey, maybe that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I, I know what you think you're doing here. And maybe we don't want to do this. It's a lot of marketing that's gone out over the past few years that you're just like, Oh no. <laughs> right. So, so there's that piece. Like, so there's a, uh, Um, like there's a better innovation aspect. There's a reputation management aspect. Mm. There is, you know, like, and the reality is that diverse organizations, organizations tend to make more money 
right? Because they are better able to innovate. They do have building solutions from people who think from a variety of different experiences. Mm. And so, so there's those pieces. And the reality is that consumers care about these things. Like they care about what your values are and it influences where people decide to spend their money. And so it's, it's good to be clear about, about where you stand and understand who your people are and what they care about. And if there's alignment, sharing what that is Mm. Um, and yeah, just being really aware that that's something that people want to know about. They look for your diversity statement. They um, might look through to see, okay, so you, you posted about black lives matter. What did you actually do about it? And they really just like, they, they don't want to see just like feel good statements. They want to see like, would show your work. (laughs) Right. Well, I, it, communicating the values, the actions also speak louder than words, but when words and actions align, that's even more powerful. Um, what are some things that you could see people, you know, either it's kind of the two sides of the coin. What is, what are things that people are doing and they don't realize that they're doing it and it's causing harm when it comes to creating inclusion. And are there things that, you know, if you had to say like, here are three things you should do tomorrow, or like, you know, here's a quick audit of, you know, making sure that you're, if this is a value that you hold, go check these three things because these are really easy things to check. What would those things be? I mean, I would look at, are you looking at um, inclusion just as uh, like a hiring mechanism? Hmm. Because if you are trying to hire in a bunch of people with different experiences and your organization isn't set up for them, yeah, uh, you know, you may be harming people in the process. Mm -hmm. they may not stay in a place that isn't comfortable right and that will cost you money to replace them right um and you've also harmed them um so that's that's an area where dei does not just live in staffing it's not a ticky box around um the diversity equity and inclusion just for anyone who may not they should know what that is just in case (laughs) so i mean so there's that piece like I think that's one area where folks think that, okay, so, um, you know, it's about hiring more people. It is about hiring people, but it's hiring people into a space that's ready. It's looking at how are you signaling your inclusion? Does it represent Mm -hmm. the actual experiences of people? um, Or are you trying to give the illusion that you have a broad client base and people might arrive to find something completely different and maybe people who aren't equipped to serve their specific needs. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really looking about the realistic um, feature of, of the representation that's used. And also, I think the other piece is that we get so focused on moment to moment, issue to issue without a clear plan about how to talk about things when they're not top of mind, when they're not headlines. Mm-hmm. So what you end up with is kind of strange marketing where you have like the week where people on your Instagram were not all white. And then, then you go back to your regular programming and you look back and you're like, huh, I wonder what happened there. Right. (laughs) And so how do you, like, how do you care about, you know, the LGBTQ community, the rest of the year that is not June? How do you care about black people outside of black history month Mm -hmm. and Juneteenth, right? Like, it is about being consistent and showing that this is not just like a calendar event for you 
or a reaction to a headline, but a sustained effort and actual interest. Or or some marketing opportunity. Right? I mean, it's kind of like, okay, if you ignore your mom all year, but you give her a really nice card on Mother's Day, how meaningful is that? She's going to be like, where the heck were you Tuesday? This is nice, but it's not going to last. Yeah. (laughs) So... That's, that's all. If you care about folks. And no, I, I really like that because it, it does come down to building a relationship, right? Like this is communicating values and standing behind them. And are you doing harm or good with that? And I love that you talked about the consistency of it and not just being this like flash in the plan, pan kind of thing, but really, and I know you do this work with people of really pulling in the values because I think there is this personal values. There's human values of just being like the golden rule, like good human, right? And then you have, everyone has personal values and aligning those to what it is that you're wanting in terms of impact when it it relates to that diversity and inclusion. Um, And I was actually, that kind of leads to my next question, which is, I know that there are a lot of people out there who have basically done this copy paste diversity inclusion statement, right? It's just, hey, they have one, let me copy and paste it. Why is that like, the worst idea ever. Um, and what would you recommend people doing? Or is it good enough? I, I mean, I think it could be good as a stopgap measure. The reality right. is, that is it tends not to be very specific. Like, what does it mean in your business that you care right. about X, Y, and Z? How can people know that? Right. So it's good to be clear. Like we care about, uh, we, th- we believe that access is a right, not a privilege. And that's why we do X, Y, and Z. Right. And that helps people understand like, to what extent mm. do you include people? So they can look and be like, um, that's a super good start, but it's not really what I need in that respect. Yeah. Or that's uh, like, that covers me. I'm super good. Like the thing, the things that I was concerned about, they've already thought about it and it's good. But it also signals that you're open to a conversation about it. Mm. Right? It shows that you've given it thought, you've done these things. And it, you know, it gives a certain level of comfort that someone might be like, oh, okay, well, they said they care about this thing and they're doing these things. What I, what would make it even better is if this was possible and it just like kind of gives space for those conversations mm. I think, and it just signals like a readiness and a level of reflection. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really, it's kind of, I think it's something that should be a living document. It shouldn't be something that you just copy and paste because the way you include people um, might change over time because norms and expectations uh, can change Mm. and um, technology can change. Um, There's lots of different aspects that will change over time. So it's really important to uh, be current with your statements so that you people know what to expect. But I mean, the other piece is that this isn't like a, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, it's not a gotcha, right? Like often if you have a value of inclusion, there are ways that you bake this into your process just because of who you are that you might not have like flagged that I'm doing this for inclusion reasons, right? Mm -hmm. How you do. So it's, it's not, it's, it's giving yourself credit for the things that you have done and acknowledging the things that you have done. Mm, um, looking, looking for growth opportunities and sharing if you're planning on expanding that in the future and what those timeframes are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that the more specific you can be, the more information you can give people to make decisions. Yeah. 
You, so one thing I know that, and I appreciate about you is your willingness to have the conversation. Like you don't come into conversations ready to point fingers or wrestle people down to the ground and pin them, right? (laughs) That's not your vibe, your energy. You're willing to answer, like have these kind of questions where someone can come and be like, Hey, look, let me just play the dumb blonde here real quick and big blonde, you know, um, like, and, and, and have those awkward sometimes conversations of someone who is wanting to let's call it evolve a little bit. Um, so I know that you are that person. So how can people get in touch with you and and maybe even ask you some questions and even potentially hire you to be able to take a look at, how they're showing up in their business when it comes to aligning their values with inclusion and diversity. For sure. I mean, there's an option to book a call on my website. So that's, that's possible. Um, I have a, um, a checklist that people can look at their website and see if there's areas where um, they might be able to improve. And if you look at it and you have more questions, that's something that you know, could be explored in a future engagement, but yeah, that's usually the easiest way is either um, on social media or, or through booking a call on my website. And it's alisontedford.com? Yes. Awesome. Um, any parting thoughts or words or, you know, ideas or concepts that you want to, you know, leave with the listeners today? Um, I guess I would just challenge that, you know, um, diversity and inclusion, sometimes people are afraid because they think that they're uh, you know, going to be lectured and made to feel bad about themselves. Mm. And I just uh, encourage that, like, it's not about guilt, it's about growth. And, you know, we're, we're all humans who have are conditioned by our, our environments. And there's a lot of messaging out there that we internalize just being people. And, um, you know, when we know better, we can do better. Um, but I just like to create a no-fault space where people can be comfortable enough to learn because we learn when we're comfortable yeah. and uh, yeah I it's something that I talk about in my my book Stay Woke Not Broke which um, plays on the expression um, that you know go woke go broke which was kind of conservative framing around if you are inclusive and and talk about progressive issues that people won't buy from you. Mm. And so I use that language to counter that message, Mm -hmm. um, acknowledging that um, it comes from uh, African-American vernacular English, and um, that is not my language, but I use it in order to call out that impression that people get that they can't be inclusive in their business and they can't share their values in their business because you absolutely can and you may not attract all of the people but you might attract the people who are most aligned with you who you're going to enjoy working more with or are going to be more aligned with your processes if this is something that really matters to you so yeah, yeah and, and that goes for all kinds of sizes of business whether you're a solopreneur or you know a fortune 100 with or someone who has, you know, hundred thousand employees, you know, it's still the same process and the same, I mean, you might expand it or contract it, but it comes from the same heart space. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, you need to look at what you can afford to do 
what kind of timeframes you can accommodate and do what you can with what you have. You don't have to be Google or Apple to be inclusive in your business. You don't have to have a big team or a team at all. Really, you can look at supplier diversity. You mm. can look at, you know, how you share other people's content on your channels, right? There's lots of ways to welcome and, um, and center other voices in the work that we do at, at every stage. And um, you don't have to wait until you have a lot of money to start. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Um, you the Allison's website will definitely be in the show notes for you guys to check it out. Definitely uh, go and look at over there because there's a lot of great resources. Uh, check out the the assessment kind of quiz thing, uh, that checklist, I can find the word. Um, and you know, definitely take Allison up on booking that call because it will be a treasure trove of valuable nuggets and you know, actionable items for you to be able to walk away with. Allison, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me.